Before there was Monster, before there was Red Bull, before there were five-hour energy shots, there was a hardcore cola that was the go-to for getting the ultimate jolt of caffeine. This is the story of the original energy drink, Jolt Cola. almost bordered on urban legend. We knew of it growing up during this time period, but it wasn't readily available, especially where I lived. There was kind of a stigma associated with it that I was honestly probably too afraid to even try it if I even had the chance. I don't know if we all remember hearing the story of a kid's friend trying it and was going crazy for six hours because of the caffeine content. We had no idea what was going on here. To us, this drink seemed like some sort of forbidden rocket fuel that could potentially stop your heart, but it turns out it had less caffeine than an espresso. There were even urban legends and playground stories of some kid who died from drinking a Jolt Cola, but we would believe pretty much anything in those days. We thought wrestling was real after all. Either way, Jolt Cola can be considered the original energy drink and got a bit of a reputation in the same way drinks like, say, Four Loco would later on. The cool thing with Jolt Cola was they weren't trying to hide what they were all about and in a pre-internet age had some of the best word of mouth that I remember for a product in the 80s. So with all the sugar and twice the caffeine, let's take this look at Jolt Cola. It's a question of taste. Tastes like Coke. It tastes like Pepsi. Tastes like a diet soda. Tastes different. What they're tasting is a new cola called Jolt, and we found some real pop experts. What you tend to do is compare this with Coca-Cola. That's your first instinct. Sure. How does it compare to Coke? Exactly. Is it like a Coke? And yeah. from my standpoint, it's similar to a Coke, but there's something in there. There's one flavor ingredient that makes it just slightly different. He's right. Jolt boldly proclaims that it contains all the sugar and twice the caffeine. There's a little bit of a, a grape hue to it, or a, all the sugar and twice the caffeine. Great! Great stuff, Harv. It's the caffeine. <laughs> this is wonderful! <laughs> and that's just the reaction the Jolt makers are counting on. While the major soft drink makers are going for light, diet, sugar-free, caffeine-free, and 10% juice, Jolt says fooey to it all. 1985 was a pretty great year in the 80s. It brought us things like Back to the Future, the original NES, Cabbage Patch Kids, The Goonies, the first WrestleMania. There's a ton of amazing stuff. Cola-wise, it's also a very important year because it was the introduction of two iconic and infamous beverages, Jolt Cola and New Coke. So Jolt Cola was created by the Jolt Company Incorporated. They would later become Wet Planet Beverages, which is the greatest name ever. They were based out of Rochester, New York. The main guy behind it was the beverage creator C.J. Rapp. Rapp was a sociology major at SUNY Potsdam, and he noticed something while going to school there. 
As is the case in college, students spend most of their days sleeping, doing keg stands at night, missing class, and then panicking and cramming all-nighters for exams. He noticed that his fellow co-eds were concocting their own beverages in order to stay awake and study, complete term papers, complete research projects, and just try to get through this, you know, college experience. That's when a light bulb went off. So if you've brushed up on your coal and knowledge, the mid-80s were a time of great change, and Coke and Pepsi were switching things up. They'd been around for nearly 100 years, and now they were either trying to cut back on things or reintroduce the way people saw them. Diet Coke was first introduced in 1983, and people were starting to be more aware of things like sugar and calories. We're not quite into the mess of high fructose corn syrup yet, but people were getting the understanding that drinking a Coke or a Pepsi was almost the equivalent of drinking a carbonated chocolate bar when it came to sugar. This was the time period when Coca-Cola completely abandoned their original formula and went to new Coke. And this is a giant topic which I've covered in its own podcast episode if you want to go back and listen to the history of the infamous story of new Coke. But there is a reason they did this. They offered now a new sweeter version. This was because Diet Coke and Diet Colas in general were catching on and they had a bit of a sweeter taste due to the aspartame and chemical sweeteners used. New Coke was trying to make itself like a Diet Cola and ultimately Diet Colas were starting to take over the landscape. This was the perfect time to rebrand and reformulate Coca-Cola into what became one of the biggest disasters in marketing history, New Coke. Is this a private party or can any store crash? So New Coke is catching on. The taste is better and newer than... You said the P word. So what I want to know is, if you're drinking Coke, who's drinking Pepsi? If you can't beat it, catch the wave. Coke. The cola market was moving away from sugar and getting into sweeter beverages, whether that was a diet version or the regular version with new Coke. Since these beverage companies were promoting the idea of less is better, beer companies would do this too, if you remember, taste great, less filling, Rapp wanted to take things the other way. Instead of saying his beverage had fewer calories of sugar, or even caffeine, Rapp wanted to go with twice as much, specifically the caffeine. He wanted to have a carbonated cola with twice the caffeine of a regular one, as he knew students would be all over this. Ultimately, some people just don't care about sugar, calories, or caffeine, and they're always going to think more is better. Here's Rapp in an interview from 1987 talking about this process. We started in 1979 on the recipe itself. We call it a formula, um, and we began right in 1979, and we went to what they call a flavor house, which expertise in, in enhancing flavors. And we described really that we wanted to make it back with 100% sugar and twice the caffeine, and we want a great tasting cola. And it took about four years and entirety to get it to this point. 
The plan was always to keep all the sugar and have twice the caffeine. This would be branded right onto the can and would last there for 24 years. There was one problem when it came to the caffeine issue. They were legally limited to only having 72 milligrams of caffeine per can, which was the maximum amount allowed by the Food and Drug Administration. This is interesting, and I'm not sure why colas were limited in caffeine content. If you think how much is in a giant Starbucks drink or Monster Energy or Red Bull, it's still kind of confusing. I think caffeine regulation has changed now, and it's more the fact that colas are still maybe considered kids' drinks. A barista at a Starbucks can refuse to serve an 11-year-old, but nothing can stop them from buying one out of the machine. Ultimately, the intention with Jolt Cola was to make a big mark on the soft drink industry. They wanted to call out wimpy tasting colas and keep going against the health and wellness movement growing through the country. If Coca-Cola and Pepsi were going to move away from sugar and calories, Jolt Cola was going to remind you what got you here in the first place. You heard Rap mention about the four-year process and the creation of Jolt Cola, and it would take about six years of final development to the point they could introduce it nationally through franchise bottlers and distributors. They even worked out a special promotion with Bloomingdale's of all places that would sell the drink in their delicatessen. Jolt Cola would spend a million dollars on introductory advertising, which was quite a lot back then for a small company. When you convert this for today, it's around $2.3 million. Again, quite a lot of money for a brand new startup. They would roll out TV campaigns and advertise in the fall of 1986, but they knew there was no way to compete against Coke and Pepsi. To stand out, they tried to make themselves as the unhealthy bad boy of cola. There's a great article I found in the New York Times from August 1986. It was made mention how much health experts hated the idea of Jolt Cola. The beverage industry was listening and moving away from sugar and calories. But here comes a new upstart that's going in the complete opposite direction. The Nutrition Action Health Letter, which was a publication for the Center for Science in the Public Interest, would dismiss Jolt Cola as unhealthy due to the high caffeine content let alone all the sugar and calories. They said that, quote, rap should be nominated for personal niche in the Nutrition Hall of Fame, unquote. So what made up a Jolt Cola and why was this caffeine issue such a big deal? When it came to caffeine, Jolt Cola would have 5.9 milligrams per fluid ounce. That would just sneak in under the maximum 6 milligrams per ounce allowed by the FDA. This is still half of the caffeine content per ounce in coffee, which is around 11.5 milligrams. So ultimately, here's the whole deal when it came to the caffeine issue. As much as everyone had always thought that a Jolt Cola was basically speed in a can, here's how it stacked up to the caffeine content in other beverages. So a regular can of Coke has around 34 milligrams of caffeine. A Diet Coke, around 45 milligrams. A cup of tea, 40 to 60 milligrams. An eight ounce regular brewed coffee, 95 milligrams. Now we're already past a Jolt Cola. An espresso shot, 80 to 90 milligrams. Today, a 250 milliliter can of Red Bull is around 80 milligrams. A five hour energy shot is 100 milligrams. A regular size Monster is 140 milligrams. 
A Starbucks espresso macchiato is 150 milligrams, and a Starbucks blonde roast venti, the 20 ounce, is a whopping 475 milligrams of caffeine. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Joel Cola's sugar content was also only slightly above the other top colas. But one big difference is that they used cane sugar. The mid-80s was the era I mentioned where high-fructose corn syrup was starting to be introduced into many more products. Obviously, it was derived from corn and made it much cheaper than regular cane sugar. It also led to less spoiling, and drinks and other products could stay on shelves longer. Think of high-fructose corn syrup as kind of a preservative and super cheap to produce. This massive reduction in costs is why you started to see drink sizes get so gigantic going into the later 80s. Manufacturers could now give customers way more value, but basically keep costs the same. The problem with high fructose corn syrup is this stuff is borderline toxic. Fructose can go straight to your liver and cause non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome, along with issues including obesity and diabetes. It's not that these are direct causes, but with the advent of high fructose corn syrup and then the higher use of things like trans fats going into the 80s, this is when you start to see the obesity problem skyrocket, especially in kids. So cane sugar is not necessarily better, but it may be a better option over high fructose corn syrup. Ultimately, it's still liquid sugar that causes a massive spike in blood sugar and an insulin release, but maybe a bit less damaging to the body. It might be the kind of difference between smoking five cigarettes compared to smoking 10. Funny enough though, Cane sugar is what a lot of drink manufacturers have gone back to in recent years to make a more, quote, natural product. Ultimately, Jolt Cola's calorie content would be the exact same as other colas at around 107 calories. They would get their cane sugar from Louisiana, so technically they had a little bit more of a natural product than, say, a regular Coke or a Pepsi. The general public was maybe not that aware yet of all the problems that could come from sugar, let alone high fructose corn syrup. They were starting to get a better understanding of it, hence the introduction and rapid success of drinks like Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi. People knew they had to start staying away maybe from calories and sugar, even if they weren't, you know, totally in the know about all the problems that it caused. Jolt Cola arriving on the scene was taking everything in the opposite direction. How is this possibly going to stand out when the giant beverage companies were going the other way? Would Jolt Cola be able to make a dent in this dominated market by just two iconic beverages? How were they going to convince people that you wanted twice the sugar and that you wanted twice the caffeine? This was a tough challenge, but this was the ultimate goal for Jolt Cola. Just carve out a tiny little niche and maybe, maybe they could be profitable. <laughs> 
but ultimately you can't beat good word of mouth. The word was starting to spread about this new caffeine packed alternative soda and rumors of it were spreading around college dorms, high schools, playgrounds, offices. What was this new alternative that was going in the opposite direction of all the Diet Coke and all the Diet Pepsi that was dominating everything? Jolt sales in the Rochester area jumped from 24,000 cans in the first week to 100,000 in the fourth week. The news reached a Vancouver company called BDC, and for a bargain price, they bought the Canadian rights to Jolt. CJ Rapp and BDC's vice president, Bob Bell, would be happy with a 1% market share. Coca-Cola has an estimated 47% share, and Pepsi claims a 30% share. But that little 1% share would still mean $200 million a year for CJ and $20 million for Bob Bell and friends. Well, our demographics show that there's three main areas. There's the yuppie area that'll buy it because it's something new and trendy. Then there's the hardcore uh, flavor drinkers, the people who are missing. You know, they, they won't quit smoking, they won't quit drinking, and anything that's supposed to be bad for you is good for them. They'll do it. And then the children, because they think it's a little naughty and a little risque, so they're going to get interested in it too. You can hear there the talk about 1% of the market share. The company was also looking at maybe getting around 2% share of the market where available, and ideally, as a giant dream, maybe getting 4% as their ultimate goal. The problem is not everyone saw this as even possible. Soft drink industry observers recognize that the chances for them to make a dent in this ultra-competitive market were slim at best. Others thought it didn't even have a chance. Beverage Digest was an industry newsletter, and they said that, quote, anything can explode, but I wouldn't bet a lot of money on this one. Consumers are health conscious, and an inordinate amount of caffeine is going to affect the perceptions of the drink, the reality of what the body can take notwithstanding, unquote. They also thought that Jolt Cola would never get a national identity and at best would maybe last three to five years. Of course, Jolt Cola far exceeded that three to five years and continues to be around to this day. The one big issue here that I think has come up during any era, especially as people try to become more health conscious, as they did in the 80s here with the removal of uh, sugar and calories. I wouldn't be so quick to assume consumers are always health conscious because we've learned over time that we are not. Let's point out a few classics over the years that show we're not that health conscious. There are things like the McDonald's pizza, the KFC double down, the cronut, Twinkies, root beer floats, the Dairy Queen Blizzard, the Burger King Triple Whopper, basically everything on the McDonald's dollar menu, Starbucks white chocolate mochas, every breakfast cereal that came out. I hate to say it, but I think these industry insiders give the public too much credit sometimes. And like we can see as history has shown, uh, they're going to make the ultimately unhealthy decision when given the chance. Even think about grocery shopping. What are the four main things purchased in a grocery store? Well, when you look at the stats, it's milk, soda, beer, and potato chips. Jolt Cola came out to some pretty huge publicity, as well as all that great word of mouth. In a pre-internet age, this was gold. It was immediately available in 22 states. 
As mentioned in that clip, they would soon sign franchise agreements to be in 40 states plus Canada. The marketing worked well, and they didn't even have to do that much of it. It didn't take very long for everyone to become aware of Jolt Cola. They also did some pretty groundbreaking advertising for the time. They went very risque. And in a time where things were a little more conservative when it came to marketing promotion, they really pushed the boundaries. If you do a search online, you can look at some of these old advertisements that Jolt Cola put out. I mean, maybe pretty tamed by today's standards, but at the time, you know, they were pushing the boundaries. But of course, they were appealing to their biggest consumers that would end up being the college students and the younger people. And Jolt would eventually make its way through dorms and late night study sessions and in offices with interns and eventually made its way into the bars you could order a jumper cable, which was rum mixed with Jolt. All of this was working perfectly and was giving Jolt Cola some very high visibility. References to it were made on David Letterman, Good Morning America, CNN, news features all over the country were talking about this new drink and whether it's had enough caffeine to like take down a small elephant, when now we know it didn't have that much at all. There was even news stories about the high sugar content was going to damage the teeth of all the children in the nation and cavities were going to start running rampant. But let's look at how the future played out for Jolt Cola. In 1987, they gave in and started offering a low-calorie version called Jolt 25, which had only 25 calories. And here's something I totally forgot before I was looking back on this all again. Do you remember Jolt Gum? This came about because they licensed the name in 2003 to a company called Gum Runners in New Jersey, and they would put out a line of caffeinated gum and mints. These would have the Jolt logo on it with the slogan, Chew More, Do More. In 2005, Jolt would switch things up and introduce the battery bottles, which you saw more companies doing. And they would add in new flavors finally, such as blue raspberry cherry bomb, silver, wild grape, orange blast, passion fruit, and then ultra. This was a diet drink with Splenda, Guarana, ginseng, taurine, and vitamin B. If you know those ingredients, that's basically what a Red Bull would be. In 2009, the Jolt Cola Company would file for bankruptcy due to disputes with their supplier over pricing for those new distinctive battery bottles. They would finally rebrand as Jolt Energy, and in 2017, Jolt Cola returned to the dollar store. They would now be produced by ECC Jolt LCC and were based out of New York. Ultimately, this is a story of how word of mouth is extremely powerful and nothing could beat it in the 1980s. It's also about being a bit of an underground phenomenon and this can create a cultural identity and actually give a brand a real persona. Jolt existed like that to me and maybe to you too, depending on your age. It had this mythical association to it. It's not that it was dangerous, but to me, it just had that attachment to it. We didn't have it available. And like I said, I would have been hesitant and nervous to drink it based on all these rumors and things you heard. For Jolt Cola, any publicity, whether good or bad, was still great publicity and it worked. We all remember this iconic beverage. 
Despite people betting against it, things that are part of a niche market tend to find a way to work out. This is the same approach Red Bull would take when they first introduced. They didn't want to be seen as mainstream. They didn't want to do celebrity athlete endorsements. They wanted to be considered a little bit underground because they knew that would draw attention. They weren't trying to take over the market. They were just trying to carve out their small little niche. And that can still result in hundreds of millions of dollars. When it comes to being a soft drink, they are ultimately a treat if you think about it. And people always want to give themselves a little reward, whether that's candy or junk food or a can of cola. Jolt Cola ultimately beat the odds and was able to stay in the mix for more than three decades. So let's finish it there. I hope you like this look back at this iconic beverage. And I really recommend, if you haven't heard it already, my podcast all about the story of New Coke, as this was all going on at the exact same time and a very interesting time in the world of cola. That was 1985. So we'll finish it off there. there. And I just wanted to finish with, and if you're in a position to do so, you could consider supporting this show on patreon.com. So that is the platform where, for as little a few bucks a month you are able to support this show and me and the difference here is you get audio rewards and there are different tiers and with each tier comes different rewards i've got the boba fett tier which is right smack in the middle that gives you access to the everything 80s movie review club i've got about a dozen different reviews that are there just for patreons so if you want to learn more if you're interested in supporting a show like this you can head to patreon.com 80s So that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 80s. Or if you're listening to this on whatever your favorite podcast app is, and if you go in the show notes, there'll be a link in there that'll take you right to it. Okay, thank you for listening. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.